you some recap. Um, those of you that weren't, weren't with us the last couple of weeks, when, uh, wouldn't be the couple, last couple of weeks, it would be back when I was last in the pulpit. The Lord is beginning to talk to us about an understanding of this thing called eternal life. Because I think most of us understand eternal life to be that thing that we get when we die. And so we don't really die. We go to heaven when we die, and that's our eternal life. But there's a number of scriptures that we kind of lit on already in the last couple times I was here that would perhaps give us indication that although it is eternal life in the sense that it's going to last longer than this mortal existence that we have right now, there's something about eternal life that's actually visible, manifestable, and transferable here on this planet. Remember when Jesus was interacting with Martha at Lazarus' funeral? This is in John chapter 10. Uh, he's talking to uh, 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 Martha, and Martha is mad at him, remember, because Jesus, uh, Lazarus wasn't there. Uh, Jesus wasn't there, and Lazarus died. And so he was say, she was saying to him, I understand you know, this resurrection deal, and I know that one day in the great resurrection, that Lazarus is going to come back to life. And Jesus says, you're absolutely right. I'm so glad you went to that, got that book and that, te that teaching series and all that. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, don't you understand that I am the resurrection? And we're not really sure even today. What, why wasn't Jesus just saying, that's right, that's awesome. You get a pass on that test that you just took because you don't have to be sad that Lazarus uh, is, is stuck in the tomb dead because he's going to be resurrected one day. There's something different that I want to be able to explain to you. And then when, when Peter was interacting with Jesus, remember uh, when he did the drink my blood and eat my flesh deal? And Jesus turns to the disciples and he says, are you going to leave me too? After all, you know, the, the bunch left, you know, the, the, the fans left, the, the groupies left. And they, he turns to his, you know, senior guys, his inner circle, and he says, are you going to leave me too? Peter's answer to him was, Lord, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. I thought, th I thought to myself, that's a funny way for Peter, for, for, for Peter to, to say that to Jesus. He would say, Lord, you can do miracles. Lord, you walk on water. You raise the dead. You feed 20,000 people with a filet of fish sandwich. Isn't that what you would have said? Lord, you are obviously the master of all masters here. Like, you got the goods. Shazam and, you know... You are the sensei, because I can see you do all these amazing... He said, no, that wasn't Peter, what Peter said. There's something going on in what Peter was starting to realize, that there is a connection between the words that Jesus was releasing and the power that was being released from his life. So much so that his main disciple, Peter... His lead guy, one of his lead guys, when Jesus turns to him and says, are you leaving me too? He's saying, I, I got nowhere to go because I want, the reason I'm here, this is what he's saying, right? He's giving you his top priority. The reason I'm here, I want to hear the words 
I need to hear what you say because I know something about what you say is related to the eternal life, everlasting life, life everlasting, whatever your Bible says, the reference to this, and it's not really, remember the last time we talked about it? That word is not really everlasting the way humans think of it. From here going forward in time, forever. That word is really talking about time eternal. Going all the way backwards and all the way forwards. I think what they were trying to describe was that they're saying this is... What, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of seeing life, but a different kind of life. It's kind of um, life. Let me think. What's a God attribute? If I had to describe life like the way I think God is living right now, how would I describe that to you? I would use life with a capital L maybe. Well, they didn't have capitals in Hebrew, so I don't know how he would do that. What would be the word that he would use? I think what he was describing was that there's a connection, this life thing that is coming forth out of Jesus, able to do these phenomenal things by create, taking sickness and making health out of it, death and making life out of it, lack and making abundance out of it. The things that he was doing, they were recognizing, Peter here was recognizing that there was a connection between the words that Jesus said and the things that he could do. And so when we're looking at it, on the each one of our lives, how do we get, like Pastor Tino was just alluding to it, everybody's been alluding to it already here. When you're walking down the pathway beside somebody on the, on the, the little, what do you call it thing, bike path, friendship trail, sorry. Just say hello to that person. What did Nola feel when she came? Nola is the name of the lady that was here this morning, this afternoon. And she felt something. I'd like to come. I, I don't go to church, she would say. I, now I feel like I'd like to go to church. Is that because of the, 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 the seats? Is it this beautiful carpet? Was it, was it my shirt? That's not what it was. I wish it was my shirt. That's not what it was. You see, there's something when you walk by somebody on the bike path, at the gym, at the restaurant, at the coffee shop, at the, what happens when you do that is, do you, are you aware of the fact that there's, they're getting close to something Godward? You ever go, ever walk by somebody who's, you can just tell they've just been yelling at somebody? <laughs> you ever walk into a room, and husband and wife are in there, and both red-faced, but they're, uh, praise the Lord. <laughs> but you can feel, whoom. It's tangible, right? Can I tell you the abundant life? It's tangible. You feel it. That's what people feel when they come here, the presence of the Lord. They don't use the words in the, in, the, in the scripture. They don't use the words, the presence of the Lord. What I suspect they would, have, they would have said if they were here 
And they walk in here and they would, they would feel that same feeling. They would say, this place is filled with eternal life. There's like a thing. Because it's not just the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord is nice. But how many of you are starting to feel, if I were to say this place is filled with eternal life, what does that do for the guy sitting next to you? To go, <laughs> suck some of that up. Because it has meaning, right? It has, it's not just the presence. Here, I mean, you're in the presence of Ian right now. How does that smell, you know? <laughs> it's not really got a connotation to it. I think what these guys were trying to give us was a connotation. They were trying to describe to us a feeling, a, a presence, a... a, a, a a vibration, I don't know, something. I don't know, how, how do you say these things? This is their challenge. That they're kind of trying to pass this information on to us. That there was something like, it was like the, being the very presence of God. You know, from the very beginning and to the very end. That's the guy that can do that stuff. And so they're kind of describing this word eternity or uh, uh, everlastingness as being the attribute of God's very presence coming in to my presence. And I can, I can feel it. It makes me happy. It lifts me. It gives me hope. It causes me to, to, be, to feel like I'm alive. That's this thing that Peter says is contained within the words that Jesus said. He could have said to Jesus, I don't want to leave you, Jesus, because you have eternal life. Right? Yeah. You've got this thing going on, and I just want to be inside the thing. I want to feel those goosebumps again, Jesus, so I want to hang out with you. Do I get one of those shiny halo things too if I hang around you enough? He could have said that. Peter was making a connection. Was making a connection. You know what I bet you he saw? Somewhere in the process, obviously, because it would be the natural thing to think that Jesus is the guy that's got this big aura thing going on around him, and he's just like vibrating, and everybody that gets close starts vibrating. <laughs> so we would want to get close to him and vibrate, right? It would be cool. Until we saw something happen. Until we saw, I'm just thinking, just imagine. What was Moses doing coming down from the mountain? What was that thingo that he had going on? What is it? He, 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 there's a nuclear power station on the top of Mount Sinai. <laughs> now he had this little green glow, had an extra nose coming out the side here. How many of you think that that might be described this same way? You got like something, is that like a God going on thing you have there? Because you must have been in the presence of the Lord. And now you got kind of God on you that you glowing. Right? Where was I? Peter is standing there and he's realizing something. When Jesus was talking one day, the Joe guy, sitting on the front row, he'd been there all, every service. And so when Jesus was here preaching, spitting all over Joe, 
It was this big, huge thing, bright. I'm not saying it's a light. I don't know what it was yet. And then when it can, and you could feel that Joe was kind of getting in the light thing. And it was like, ooh, Joe's glowing too. And then Jesus walked away. And Joe kept glowing. Kept. Or maybe somebody came up to him and said, hey, Joe, how you doing? And they had that same goosebumps, you know, hair standing. I really don't know what it was. But there must, can you not see in this, the way that Peter responded to that question? He has made a connection between the words that Jesus said and the attainment of this thing, eternal life. Can you not read that in what he's saying? Otherwise, he would have used a different way of saying it. So what we're going to talk about today, this is recap. How'd you like the recap so far? Am I out of time? <coughs> when Dominic was here, he went. <laughs> like he set the high water mark for 2017, okay? So don't start talking to me here. I love your husband. You know, he's just so beneficial to me. Where am I? Tonight's service. That's all recap. So what I want to talk to you about tonight, because I have this suspicion. I think there's a ton of eternal life on the inside of all of us. You know how I know that? Because we've been sitting around, just like Joe would have been sitting around in every service, listening to the word of God, and after a while, they must have made the connection. That because Joe keeps sitting there, keeps listening, making notes, meditating, studying, that there's all of a sudden this thing that's on Jesus getting on him. And I'll say there's a whole bunch in here. You've been hanging around for years. You don't try to find, you know, we can't do it anymore because we use all this electronic stuff. But one of the major spiritual, I know when we get to heaven, I need to warn you people. When we get to heaven... God is going to ask to see your Bible. And he's going to dock points from every page that doesn't have scriptures underlined. So those of you who are using these new electronic devices, I cannot guarantee you that even though you underline in your electronic device, Because I do not know the level of Wi-Fi technology in heaven. So you just got to be careful. That's all I'm doing. I'm just warning you here. I just got to be careful. Where am I? Completely lost. Okay, so here's the deal. I believe most of you, if you had paper Bibles, you would have at least half of the pages of your Bible with underlined scriptures in them. That's you, that you've sat through the service when somebody said something about that scripture. And if the words of Jesus, the red words, are the words that are releasing the high-intensity, high-octane, eternal life seeds into the hearts of people, most of us have read the red words at least one time, maybe a hundred times. They're in there. Okay, if they're in there, What's stopping them from getting out here? 
The Lord said to me about three weeks ago now, as I was putting together this, 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 this teaching, he said to me, decades of doubt. And he reminded me of what was going on a hundred years ago in our world. Does anybody know what was going on a hundred years ago? A hundred years ago, we were in the middle of World War I. 1914, I believe, to 1917. Am I right with that? November of 1917. 1918. So we're one year away from the end. So right now, 100 years ago, we're in the middle of the First World War. It was an absolutely terrifying war. So it was dubbed the war to end all wars. There's no way, because of the absolute ferocity of that war, to any thinking sane human being at that time, they, dis they said there isn't a possibility at all that after this war that anybody is ever going to go to war again. And within a few decades, we were into World War II. 1939, 1945 was World War II. We finished World War II, and then we went into the 20-year war, which was Vietnam. And then we finished Vietnam, and then we went into the Cold War, the war that never happened in real life. But it sure did happen in the hearts and minds of everybody within earshot of a radio or a television. The Lord said to me, decades of doubt. And so what we want to talk about tonight is we want to talk about the heritage that each one of us have been given in our understanding of this thing called doubt. Turn with me over to Matthew chapter 21 for a moment. In Matthew chapter 21, we are probably familiar, you're probably familiar with, uh, with Luke 11, 23 and 24. Uh, Whosoever shall say it in this mountain, be thou removed, be able to cast in the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things will come to pass. Remember that scripture? Matthew 21 is Matthew's account of that teaching. And so here what we're able to do, let me switch glasses. You won't know that I did this because I'm going to look exactly the same. Okay, no, let's go to Romans chapter 5 first. Let, let's, in Romans chapter 5, it talks to us, it gives us an understanding of what doubt is. And where does it come from? How do we get doubt? Let's go to Matthew chapter 21. I'll just obey the Holy Spirit. Let's do it his way. In Matthew chapter 21, Jesus says this. Jesus answers and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If you have faith and doubt not. Okay, so how do you release I tweeted this out the other day. Eternal life is the words of Jesus believed in the heart of a human being. Yes. That's how you release eternal life into this world. You take the words of Jesus, you believe them, faith, and you release them. But what Jesus is telling me here is that you can have all the words of eternal life on the inside of you. But if you do something, there is kryptonite 
that is taking your superpower and making it completely powerless. And this kryptonite is called doubt. Jesus says, if you have faith and you doubt not, then whatever you say will come to pass. The Lord said to me, decades of doubt. So we think our level of doubt is the same level of doubt that people have always had. And that's not true. Most people, human beings, from 100 years ago to the beginning of, t of when Adam and Eve were created, nobody, as you're going to begin to see, has had the ability to have doubt developed to such a degree as we have developed today. Because we have had generation, now you look at your great, many of you, your great-grandparents were involved in World War I. Your grandparents were in World War II. Your parents were either in the Cold War or the Vietnam War, at least in the newscast of those things. So we have got, we're now the fourth generation of people that have been in a world of dis desperate uncertainty. Desperate, we don't know if there is even a tomorrow. And is tomorrow going to be run by the Russians or run by the Germans or run by the Vietnamese or run by the Chinese or run by the whoeverese? We're, we just don't know anymore. We just don't have any, we, just, we can't even see forward. Many of us in our day today, we're, we don't see life that way. We kind of have a little bit of vision down the road. But generations before us, I know my parents my mother was, was in England when Hitler was bombing the bananas out of everything. They were every night, would that go overhead? And, this is, and then they had all the problems with the Cold War. You know, there was, there was the red zone all the way around us. We didn't know where it was coming from and when it was with the nuclear bomb picture. And all of this kind of stuff is how we grew up. And so we think that we doubt, oh, we just got a little bit of a doubt problem. You know, just like when Jesus said, you know, just have faith, doubt not. Move on to the next subject. That's not going to be, e that's not an easy piece of the equation. So what I'm suspecting, at least what I'm going to present to you all tonight for consideration, is that although we have got a ton of this, we've also got a ton of that. And if you have one minus one, you get, but, <laughs> sorry, the <laughs> equation is easy. I don't think we have to be so focused right now on building more faith. I'm a, this is coming from a preacher, so, you know, it's well thought out words. I think what we got to learn to do is we got to understand what the heck is that? And how do I make sure that my arch enemy, kryptonite, doesn't get anywhere near me? Because if I can do that, when I go down the bike path and I'm wondering whether this person's going to get blessed just by getting in my zone, 
Whether Fort Erie is going to be increased just because you pray, just because you have one knee on the ground every now and again, all of a sudden that abundant life that is flowing inside of you is flowing out and causing supernatural things as the kingdom of God starts to make sense, their eyes are opened, their blessing is pouring all around you all the time. Imagine if we could up that by a hundredfold. Imagine if we could learn how to every single day make sure that there's no doubt able at all to root itself in my life. Imagine if I could tell you one thing, too, perhaps, that would eliminate all the doubt. Or at least eliminates its ability to capture any or at all of your attention. How would you like? We should take up another offering right now, shouldn't we? Okay, back to my, my notes. Let's find out then, what's doubt about? What is it? What is doubt? Where does it come from? Can somebody do this for me so that I don't... Okay, in Romans chapter 5, Paul starts to talk to us. Now, remember in Romans chapter 4, he explains to us what hope is and how do you get hope. Hope is a positive outcome or a positive expectation. Doubt is simply the opposite of that. It is a negative expectation. It's, I'm going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to get healed. Hope. I'm going to lay hands on the sick and I'm not going to look like an idiot. Doubt. Okay, one, a positive outcome. One, not so much. Now that thought that came in there didn't get in there just because you're brilliant. I'm, so, I'm, I'm being so blessed right now by Olivia Joy. This is my new granddaughter. I'm being blessed by her because I am being reminded that when we come into this world, we know absolutely nothing. I was funny the other day, she's, she had hiccups. But she, oh, you know, I. But it was funny because she was excited. She was just as happy as she, wa as she was a minute ago, smi smiling. Do you know why she was doing that? It almost seemed like she didn't even know she had the hiccups. Do you know something? She didn't even know she had the hiccups. She was wondering, who's making that noise? And why does the room keep moving all of a sudden? Because from her perspective, she's wondering, whose finger is in my nose right now? Because she doesn't know. She knows absolutely nothing. And if we learn... Our soul learns how everything works. And you can see now it's so brilliant because she's learning the way Mike and Jess do things. She's learning Jessica's voice. She's learning Michael's touch. She knows what his beard feels like. She knows what, his sound, his, what he sounds like when he walks. But she didn't know that a month ago. This is very important. Because when we doubt, we don't doubt because we're smart. And we realize how many things could possibly go wrong right now. 
The reason we doubt is because we have experiences. And those experiences have taught us that we can't necessarily expect 100% success in every situation. The reason that I know that is because I have had some not-so-great outcomes to things I've done in the past. This is what Paul starts to talk to us in in Romans chapter 5. He says this is where hope comes from, but you can see then hope is the positive. He's talking about everything in a positive way. But you can just as easily go through this, this little chart in the negative way. He says that we should glory in our tribulations. Okay, fine. Give me my, give, somebody rub that off. Okay, so we should be happy about our tribulations. How are you, Michael? You're doing a great job. This word means pressure. Say, say this word, say philipsis. It's what that word is, philipsis. It's kind of like pressure, oppression, difficulty, distress, straits. When we have these tribulations, these experiences, now, to some people, not getting their, you know, their hair quite right is a tribulation. It is an affliction that you have this curly hair on the side of your head that just will not straighten out. To other people, they would use the same word to describe living in a concentration camp where their life is being threatened at any moment. That's the same word. So everybody can identify all the way from soup to nuts, from zero to a thousand, everything at all that would in any way create pressure, distress, oppression, difficulty, those kind of things in your life. And we've all had a thousand of them today. That scripture says that, that uh, your, your tribulations produce something in you, perseverance. Your Bible might say patience, not really a good translation. Patience means sit on the couch and eat cookies as the, as the way to respond to a tribulation. That's not. It's perseverance to fight in the midst of pressure then as you fight, as you persevere, as you keep going, as you endure through your difficulty, you're going to learn something about how your persevering accomplished the tribulation. And that is called experience. I like the word better to be translated history. We got some history with that. The history has come from me applying my effort, my diligence, my perseverance to a problem that I am experiencing, and then I begin to understand how that works out. And so then this experience then, the Bible says, produces hope. Is that what Romans chapter 5, 2 says in your Bible? Okay. You go through this process wrongly, or let's not say wrongly, let's say that hope doesn't mean positive or negative. Let's say that it is either one, depending on the result. But this is how you have this issue here in your soul. Your expectation of the future has been determined by how you, what, would, what is your experience with that particular thing that you are presently facing? 
and you take a look at your, your memory bank and you go, wait a minute, last time I had this exact same problem, I applied all of my effort and diligence to it and I failed. And therefore, if I'm facing the problem again, my absolute expectation is I'm going to fail. That's how this works. Doubt, this is the negative, so we would call this hope and we would call this doubt or dread. A negative expectation of the future. If you have faith and you doubt not, everybody's seeing a problem in the mathematics here. How in the world can any, even Olivia is starting to lose her ability to doubt not because she has an experience. Right? right? When you have this starting to go on in your life, and now you're 20, or you're 30, or you're 40, or you're 50, or you're twice that, you start having some of this going on. Which makes that equation, except for Superman, who always went through this and ended up with a positive outcome, for the rest of us, it's over. We're done. You know why? Because your soul doesn't forget anything. You should go into our momentum center department when somebody's having one of these, you know, they're trying to figure out where it's the root of this negative emotion that I feel. I had one of them one time where the person had a picture of their life and they knew where they were was inside their mother's womb. And their parents were considering aborting that person. She did not know that in the natural. Her parents had never told her about this experience, but she knew. You don't forget anything. This is the problem. I'm glad you all came tonight. <laughs> this probably wouldn't be a good time to take up another offering, right? <laughs> That's the problem. And it's a real problem. And if we don't face the problem, if we don't find the lead box, all you Superman comics people know that if you can get that piece of kryptonite into a lead box, the rays are no longer going to affect Superman. And Superman is going to get his superpower back if you can find the lead box. How many of you would like to know the lead box? Turn with me to Rom Romans chapter 10. This is going to be just a wonderful scripture for you all because you probably all know it already. Because one of the very first things that you were told when you came to the Lord was somebody brought you over to Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 and 10. And they said to you, if you could believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. How many of you know the scripture so far? Can you say it with me? If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Everybody knows that scripture. But can I tell you? Right there is the lead box. It's all into the understanding of how your soul operates. 
your soul doesn't forget anything. Now, you're saying to me, yeah, I can't remember where my car keys are. No, that's a certain part of your soul. Your conscious mind forgets a lot of things. But your subconscious mind, your spirit, your the very deepest root of you is a supercomputer that can, I think Pastor Alex said to me, can remember the, the second by second detail of six million years of life. That's how much memory you have, storage capacity you have on your subconscious mind. Your subconscious doesn't forget anything. You don't know why your subconscious is maybe pulling you or pushing you or hesitating you or advancing you or confidence or, or insecurity. You may not know why that's happening. It's happening because of the way your soul operates. You cannot take an item in your soul and kick it out. You're, you can't make your soul forget an experience. That when you were riding your bicycle and you fell down and you scraped your arm, now forever and ever and ever, you have the possibility that you can get hurt, that you can be in an accident, that you shouldn't ride bicycles or whatever. That's always going to be there as part of your memory bank. It says you must believe that Jesus is Lord. That word Lord means the boss. We were with the, intern, the uh, Connect class last night. In the in Spanish Bible it says, Jesus Señor. And I asked them, well, what does the word Señor mean? It doesn't mean you're a senior citizen. That's English. In, in Spanish, Señor means the person who owns something. Like you are the master, you are the boss, you own the company, or you own the land, or you own the car. You are the senor of that land, business, company, car, whatever. The key to not doubting is not getting rid of the experiences that are in the past as if we could do that. We can't do that. All we can do is recognize that Jesus is Lord, that he is the master, that he knows the answers to the questions. And what we do in that position is, I can then easily submit myself to somebody that knows better than I know. And then it says, if you believe that God raised him from the dead, why didn't it say God, Jesus went to the cross? That's what we'd say. The key is that we would believe that Jesus is Lord and that he died on the cross for my sins. So I can go to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. That's not what it says. It says that, that, that you believe that God raised him from the dead. So what's the, what is happening on the inside of a soul to somebody who has already realized Jesus is the boss. He owns me, he's my leader, he's the guy who knows the answers to my questions. And then God raised him from the dead. Now not only do I know that he's the boss, not only do I know that he's the commander, I now believe that he is 
Supreme Commander. When my soul comes into proper alignment with Jesus, like a child, as Pastor Tina was saying earlier, you've got to come, like when Jesus was with Nicodemus in the middle of the night, he says, you've got to get born again. And we say in the modern technology of Christianity, that's come to the altar and Shazam. That doesn't, it isn't what that means. Now, I'm certainly you should come to the altar, certainly you should pray a prayer. But what it's talking about is go back to the beginning again. Forget all the junk that you think you know. Forget all the doubt. Forget all the experiences. Forget all the history. Forget all the failures. Go back to the beginning again and start all over again. As if you know nothing. Like Olivia. That's what he's asking us to do. That's the imagery of what does it mean to be born again? Go back and start again. But this time, start with Jesus as your master, as your supreme commander. What you're doing is then you're taking all these memories, which are now real memories to you, and you're submitting them now underneath the words of Jesus. The words that produce a supernatural ability on the inside of you to succeed no matter what you try to overcome no matter what the obstacle to become inevitable no matter how impossible it might look today because I'm different than I used to be before this little present that I got this is a flashlight can you turn the flashlight on for me, Mike? Just show me, right in my eyes. Just right in my eyes. There you go. Perfect. See? Nothing happened. Melissa, shine it right in my eyes. There you go. Perfect. No, that's it. Now, we could go on and on and on with this flashlight, and every one of you could try to get this to flash inside of my eyes. Now, one of you is going to be able to do that. We're going to have all kinds of experience, no matter how long we persevere, trying to get this flashlight to flashlight, and it's not going to work. How many of you know why it's not working? How many of you got a really good idea that there's no power on the inside of this flashlight? We've got all kinds of experience right now that says this is not going to work. Go ahead, try it. Go ahead, try it. You'd all say it's not going to work. You're not going to think it's going to work. You're not going to even think it's going to work. Does anybody in here think this is going to work if they try it? No, why not? Because you all have realized there's no battery. But, guess what I have in my hot little hands? If only I could see and figure out how to put them in there, that would be awesome. <laughs> Don't break the bulb and wreck the example. So as Michael magically puts eternal life inside of this flashlight, better give it to Jason, Mike. Don't screw up my imagery here. Please, keep your eye on me, everybody. Keep your eye on me. You're going to experience the most magical experience of your entire life. Are we ready yet, folks? Because what's happening right now to this flashlight, it's having eternal life. The words. Thank you. Is it working? Did you try it? Ready? Because inside this flashlight, it's not the same flashlight as it was before. It looks the same. Tastes the same. One try it. But it's not the same. It didn't matter whether it didn't work 
a minute ago, does it? Because it's different now. It doesn't really matter whether it failed at being a flashlight a thousand times a day for a thousand years. It's irrelevant. What's happening in your soul when it's doubting? What is it? Some people are afraid of cats. Some people are afraid of spiders. Some people are afraid of sharks. Did you know that the person who is afraid of cats can look at a spider and not be afraid? Did you know that? Do you know why? Because the thought to be afraid of a spider is not relevant when he is standing in front of a cat. Because, probably self-evident, because cats aren't spiders. What you have to do inside of your soul is you have to tell your soul that the connection that it is making between this moment and the historical experiences of the past is no longer relevant. If you can do that, then when you're doing what you're doing, even though it looks like exactly what you did before, your soul's not gonna doubt because it isn't relevant anymore. Just like it wasn't relevant facing the cat that I was afraid of spiders. My, hope, my soul didn't even bother telling me, I wanna play with the cat. What we are doing when we understand that inside of us are the words of eternal life. We don't understand that because we're smart. We understand that because I have already submitted myself to the commander. No, yet the supreme commander raised from the dead and all. So I know if he says, if I have the words of eternal life in my heart, I have them. It's no longer relevant what this flashlight used to do. Before. Is it? Every one of you expected that the next time, didn't you, Jerry? Tell me, Jerry, did you? <laughs> Every one of you expected, because you saw Jason put those batteries in this thing. You assumed that he has sufficient intelligence to get them in the right way. And so you expected it was going to work. It wasn't even relevant to you anymore that it didn't work a whole bunch of times before. Your soul wasn't even wondering. Are you wondering now, Mike? Are you wondering now? Are you wondering now? <laughs> Do you see the difference? You can feel the difference in your soul. You just weren't worried like you were a minute ago that it wasn't gonna work. And I say, if I'll give you, you know, how many of you would like to try it? Y'all wanna come up there and try it? going to work. And if the lights went out, you'd all run to the pulpit and grab the flashlight because you'd absolutely be confident that it would work. And you start to have experiences in your eternal life 
and you start seeing that the words that you put on the inside, the belief systems that are on the inside of you, the concepts and perceptions and understandings and ideas that have come from the words of the Bible, the truth, the words of Jesus, you start having even little ones. Because the problem that we're having, even if you happen to sneak through one day and have an eternal life experience in your life, you've got a million that aren't like that. And so even the next day you're going, yeah, I had that one miracle, but you know, I'm not going to get another one. I'm just not. Instead, the other way around is that I'm starting from zero. And so if I have one miracle, that's, that's one for one. I'm not worried about all this stuff. Then if I have another miracle, I'm two for two. Even if they're only small ones. You smiled at me. Boop, three for three. I'm not having to do it the other way around. It's impossible to do it the other way around. Because you won't stop thinking about all the failures. It, I could go into, we, we could spend another two hours here, which we can't do. When you submit your heart to Jesus, when you say he's the boss, he's the commander, what he's right, it's absolutely right. He is the prophesied Messiah. He's got the Old Testament and the New Testament wrapped up in his DNA. This is Superman. This is the ultimate of human being. Filled, as John says, with the word of God. In the beginning. And then the word became flesh. The, 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 the enormity of this man has come to you and says, one plus one is two. I know you think it's 94, but it's two. Forget about 94. See what you could do in your soul? I don't have to forget. I don't have to do, do all of that that we try to do, and you can't do that. And if you can do it, you could only do a very short period of time because it's called willpower. Willpower works until the pressure gets real hot and then it fails. When Jesus said, when Peter said, observing Jesus, that his words produce this godness that takes sickness and makes it whole that takes dead and makes it alive, that takes lack and makes it abundant, misery and makes it blessing. It takes dread and turns it into hope. It takes hatred and turns it into love. The words turn humans to gods. I know, to God. <laughs> the Bible says, Old Testament, Psalms 88, ye are gods to whom the word of God has come. Jesus repeats it in John chapter, help me Jesus, 14. I'll be like Dr. Casey. 
What he's talking about is the children of God were designed to be like God, to operate in this natural world the way Father God operates in his world. Jesus came here to show us the Father so that we could become like the Father, which makes us able to do what he was able to do when he was here. Jesus went about turning sickness into health. That was the God factor on the inside of a human being, flowing out of him, touching whatever it touched, turning death into life, turning sickness into health, turning lack into abundance, turning liquid water into concrete. It was doing whatever it needed to do in order to satisfy the desires of Jesus. And that was to fill the earth with the kingdom of God. That every single person could experience what it's going to be like when we get to heaven. And he says, I want the earth to look like that. I want to fill the earth with abundance. I want to fill it with life. I want to fill it with good. I want to fill it with faith. I want to fill it with love. I want to fill it with hope. The way that happens is when we realize that the people on earth right now that have the power to do that are the people who will have faith and doubt not. And when you hook up those circuits properly, whatsoever you say will come to pass. Just like when Jesus was here, whatever he said came to pass. Put your hand over your heart and say, Jesus, I so much want to be like you. I'm in the game because I know you're my supreme commander. You're the guy of all guys. You're the man of all men. You know everything. See everything. Understand everything. As of this very moment, I submit myself to your lordship. I declare that you own me. I am your possession, bought with a price. From this moment forward, I'm not going my own way. I'm going your way. But wherever you go, I go. For you have the words of eternal life. And I want those words in me so that I can be just like you.